to another Geeks Crossing podcast. I'm Eric and Matt, why are we doing this? We could be doing so much more in our lives. Yeah, man, uh, the new LEGO Star Wars game came out today. I'd much rather be playing that than partaking in what we're about to partake. I should be streaming on Twitch. <laughs> Wait, what? Eric has a Twitch channel since when? Uh, but uh, I'm really, really not looking forward to this, viewers. We knew this day was going to come. Ever since Eric and I started... Our uh, total drama episode by episode review. We knew eventually we would reach this day. I mean, I have no one else to blame but myself because I was the one who suggested this idea to Matt and I. And little did yeah. I realize that eventually we will have to talk about it. No, not the movie that's based off the Stephen King book. I mean, not for nothing. I'd rather be talking about it than the thing I'm referring to as it. I guess we should probably. Uh... Let the cat out of the bag, Eric. <laughs> it's total drama all-stars. Well, a uh, little bit of, of um, you know, looking for the needle in the haystack, seeing the positive here. This is at least the official return to me and Eric's episode-by-episode episode total drama series review, which we have not heard since uh, December, I believe. So it's great to be back, although I really wish it was under different circumstances. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So if you're a Total Drama fan, which I assume you are, welcome. But if you're only a casual fan or you don't know much about Total Drama and you're listening to these episodes as kind of a way to learn more about the show, we are about to tackle what is critically referred to as the worst season of Total Drama to ever air. So hooray, I'm really excited to get to talk about that. Oh, trust me, my rambling didn't give it away. <laughs> you, you already know that this is going to be quite the joyride for me. Yeah, in case yeah, we were definitely stalling in case you could not tell. We we want to talk about this about as much as anyone would want to talk about this season. Now, you're probably thinking, the season's called Total Drama All-Stars, and with most reality shows, the All-Star seasons, they're usually good. What's so bad about Total Drama All-Stars? Oh god, Matt, how do I even explain this? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's a good concept in theory, like you said, Eric. I think any show really or like a survivor when they do all-stars people tend to like that because it's all your favorite contestants meeting for the first time it was a fine concept even a good concept that could have been a good season but holy cow if you you can you say character derailment can you say lousy writing so much of like oh my god some of the worst writing the series has ever seen not good to say the least and we're going to get to all of the specifics as to how badly they bombed this season that could have otherwise been good, but it just was not because of the horrible decisions they made. It's like Matt said, this concept sound promising. A couple of contestants from the first two generations are back once again competing. But much like every other reality show that has a theme, the theme for this season is heroes versus villains. Mm -hmm. And you're probably so, thinking, wow, there's plenty of heroes and villains in this whole drama universe. Which characters did they choose to represent this season from both generations? Well, listen to this shit. From Gen 1, we have Duncan, Lindsay, Gwen, Courtney, Heather, Sierra, and the robot, a.k.a. Alejandro, for those of you who don't remember the post credit scene from Total Drama World Tour finale. And Gen 2, we have Lightning, Joe, Sam, Cameron, Mike, 
Zoe, and Scott. You notice the one problem already? The cast. Yeah. So right off the bat, you see this cast, and you're just like, okay, hold on. There's some funky stuff going on, which we'll go through. You want to mention the nearly literal elephant in the room first? Owen, arguably the icon of the series, is not a contestant. Yeah. There's there's only one way to really get around the lack of Owen, and that is they wanted to have equal amounts from each generation, which personally, I don't even think that makes any sense. Like, actually... Before we even get to that, I think we should have had another season of just the Revenge guys before they got their, like, All-Stars. Because it's a little unfair with the All-Stars because you have contestants who've been in three seasons and contestants who had one season that was half as long as a typical season. So it's almost like, it's kind of unfair. We haven't really gotten to know and love the Revenge cast so much, like, as much yet. But not only that, they wanted to have equal for each, which doesn't make any sense because, again, the first gen is so much more developed at this point than the second gen. And so we get weird decisions like leaving out Owen because they want to have the numbers be equal. How do you leave out Owen? He's the definition of an all-star. It's not just Owen. A lot of great characters missed their chance to compete in all-stars. Lashana, Mm -hmm. Jeff, DJ, Harold, Cody. Yeah, Harold's one. Yeah, Cody. Yeah, and even the characters for all like that they do pick for Gen 2 doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If you watched Revenge, which you, if you have or you haven't, uh, go and listen to our episode on Revenge. It was our last episode in this little miniseries. But characters who are pretty important in that season, like Brick, for example, comes to mind. They don't come back. I don't know. If they really wanted to split it evenly, they might have been better off including Brick instead of Sam. Which, by the way, I, honestly, that's what it boils down to me is I don't know why Sam is here. Sam lasted like five episodes, um, and then he got kicked out of Revenge. <laughs> and on top of that, we already have a nerd character, that being Cameron. Yeah, like, again, I, if they want to play around with Sam, that's fine. But I think either A, they should have done another season of just the Revenge cast and have Sam develop more in that cast. Or B, do cool stuff with him in this All-Star season, which, spoiler alert, they don't. They don't do anything with Sam. He's just here as a placeholder. It makes no sense why it's not Owen, and if you absolutely have to have it be even from each generation, it really should have been Brick. So the fact that Sam's here really doesn't make much sense. As a matter of fact, Matt, Brick was actually considered to be joining All-Stars, albeit part of the Heroes team, but he was cut in favor of Sam because, according to the writers, Sam was one of the quote-unquote five main characters from Revenge of the Island. But you know <laughs> but you know who else wasn't one of the five main characters? Brick. <laughs> so not only does that make no sense because Brick is included in there, but also, excuse me, Sam is a main character? I mean, I guess we, we follow his love life a little bit and he gets tricked by Scott, but so do Dawn and B and Dawn and B aren't main characters, although I guess we don't follow their love life either. But I don't know. That's that's on thin ice. I think Brick, you know, he lasted longer. He interacted with more people. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a weak excuse. <laughs> and not only that, like honestly, if they just kept a handful of characters from Revenge of the Island and probably doubled the amount of characters they chose from Gen One, this could have been a solid cast. Because like, yeah. there are far more better written and developed characters from Gen One than in the Generation Two cast. Yeah. And they really did it just to have equal for both, but I feel like it doesn't make as much sense because, again, at this point in time in the series, the Gen 1 contestants had roughly six times the amount of screen time and development that the Gen 2 characters have had. So to make them equal tier, it is kind of unrealistic. But, you know, whatever. 
Okay. Any, so- any other characters you think should have uh, or or shouldn't have made it in? Because I I know I mentioned Sam. I don't know if you, anyone else comes to mind. Uh, other than that, the other six are pretty solid. I mean, they were the only characters to make the merge. So. Yeah. Yeah. And what about Gen One wise? Sierra shouldn't be in there. <laughs> okay, that's exactly what I wanted to say, but I wanted to make sure we were on the same page. Sierra, spoiler alert, is kind of like Sam in that there's not really any reason why she's here. But instead, you might think to yourself, oh, there's no reason why she's here. So maybe they're going to do something kind of interesting with her. Nope. Nope. She wastes her time. She, like, she's an, It's an insult. Honestly, probably worse than Sam because at least Sam, he's the butt monkey, but he, he goes. At, Sierra, again, we're going to get in all this. She goes through some character derailment, which is going to be a major theme of this season. So, bottom line is, this is definitely the weakest cast so far. But you're probably thinking, okay, despite having a weak cast, it could be a good season if they put effort into it, right? Oh, no. Yeah, that's the worst part. Is if, if you, you, know, you take out Sierra and Sam and you look at the cast and you're like, alright, this makes sense. I like these characters. Little do you realize that these characters are not going to be the ones you grew to love. They are going to be, in a lot of cases, they're going to be ruined. We should stop delaying inevitable and talk about the first episode. Yeah. Which is appropriately titled Heroes versus Villains. Now, unlike most seasons where it starts off with Chris, you know, introducing a setting or what they can expect from a new season, it starts off with Chef going to prison and bailing out Chris because the producers renewed another season. Yes, so for those of you who do not remember, at the end of Revenge of the Island, Chris gets arrested for pollution and endangerment. So, he's actually in prison, and yes, the show gets renewed, so he gets to be bailed out. I wonder if this is supposed to be a hint as to why he's so crazy, because he spent like a year in solitary confinement. But let's not lie to ourselves here, he was already (laughs) insane in Revenge of the Island. Yeah, I was about to say, you think being in prison for a whole year would help Chris reconsider his life decisions? It did, but not for the best. (laughs) Alright, so Heroes vs. Villains, after that interesting uh, opening scene, Chris reveals that they are back on Wawanaqua. The pollution has been 100% cleaned up, although we do see a little bit hints of it later in the season. Um, and Chef nonchalantly throws each of the contestants out of a helicopter into the, the bay around Wawanaqua, where they swim to shore. Chris organizes the teams, which is, again, Heroes vs. Villains. They're split into these two teams, and they partake in the first challenge. Which, by the way, one thing I do kind of got to give the season credit for, but I'll, you know, I'll just introduce it now, and I'll talk about it a little bit later. Is that the challenges are supposedly based on old challenges? So in this case, they have to jump off the cliff like they did in Island, and they had to go kind of diving to the bottom of the bay, find a key, and see if it unlocks uh, a big fancy nice house. And first team to get into that big fancy nice house gets to keep it for the night and whoever wins the next following challenges like whatever team wins the next challenge they get to move into that fancy mansion while the Mm -hmm. losing team has to spend the night in the crappy cabins (laughs) yep and the losing team also has to send somebody home uh which also goes in or is included by this episode as well so as usual let's break down the teams all right heroes versus villains this should be easy to distinguish who is who. We have the heroic hamsters consisting of, and Maddie can help me out if I miss anybody, Sierra, Sam, Cameron, Mike, Zoe, Lindsay, and Courtney? And before we, you know, l- while we let that sink in, uh, the villainous vultures consist of Heather, Scott, 
Duncan, Joe, Gwen, Lightning, and the robot, who in this episode is obviously revealed to be none other than Alejandro. Sorry, like, my mind's still trying to stick this in. Like, you need to tell me, after all that shit Courtney did in season two, she's considered a hero? Yeah, so this is the first part of what I think is a bigger problem with the writing in All-Stars, is I don't think that the Total Drama All-Stars really did their homework. If you look at the writers throughout the show's history, a lot of these guys, they started writing maybe in the middle of world tour. Um, that's when they joined the show. So I don't think they really went back and rewatched a lot of the old seasons. Because if they did, they would know 100% Courtney was a villain in, in action. 100%. You cannot get around that. She was the villain. All the other contestants acted like she was the villain. She acted like she was a villain. And I feel like the writers only remembered Courtney as, oh, poor Courtney, who got abused by Duncan and, you know, cheated on by, or cheated on by Duncan, abused by Gwen, you know. Dude, that's exactly why Gwen was moved to the villain's team. Yeah. No, like, I, I genuinely feel like these writers who started in World Tour only remember World Tour. Like, they're like, oh, okay, so Gwen and Duncan cheated on uh, Courtney. So that means that Gwen is on the villains. Duncan's on the villains. Courtney's on the heroes. It's like that was their only personality trait, but they had so much more history before that. Even Gwen brought that up. She's like, why the hell am I on the villains team? Cause you stole my boyfriend last season. If I done so much good before that. Yeah. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> I think they straight up said, nobody cares about that. Yeah. And not to mention Gwen being a villain you, I, I could see an argument for Gwen being on the Villainous Vultures because, you know, the first season she's like antisocial, grumpy, whatever. But just because Gwen's on the villains, I don't think that means Courtney deserves to be on the heroes. Like, just because Courtney gets taken advantage of in World Tour does not make her a hero. I think the writers really screwed that up. Like, oh, it, I'm, or maybe they just did it as a joke. Like, haha, get it? See, it's funny because Gwen thinks she's a hero and she's a villain. And Courtney is a villain, but she's on the heroes. But that never gets addressed. I, I don't know, man. That, this just yeah, real. No. This just really, really grinds my gears. Like I know he keeps saying this on the podcast, but I, I, I have nothing to say. And spoiler alert: Courtney is ultimately going to switch teams. She is going to be put on the villains. But at this point, it makes no sense for Chris to start out and say, "Oh, Courtney's a hero," I, unless we're supposed to believe that this is another lawsuit thing by her. But they never say that. It's, it's clearly just they think she's heroic because they have forgotten that she had any personality other than world tour like and again that's going to come up a lot even the cast it comes up a lot characters who are really important in in action like harold and beth and justin they aren't even referenced let alone put in the cast so i do have a feeling that these writers they remember island but they really started paying attention to the show world tour revenge and now all-stars and and again this is going to be a consistent problem this season but yeah th this is just a little microcosm courtney should not have been a hero at the start and anyone who'd ever watched Total Drama before could have told you that, but they screwed that up. So, uh, not starting off good. You're also wondering, why is the robot on the villains team? Well, spoilers, we know who the robot actually is, but in terms of the beginning, they were like, hey, how come they have seven people and we have six? Oh yeah, I needed that extra seat for that Ezekiel prank. Yes, Ezekiel's back this season for cameos, and he's still a mutant. I should have mentioned when they were throwing all the contestants out of the plane, they threw Ezekiel at the end. You'd think he's going to be in it. And then they like launch him away. Like, ah, just kidding. He's not coming back. Um, yeah. So obviously yeah. they put the robot in just to even the teams. So like Matt said, they have to jump off the cliff, swim underwater, find a key that could lead to opening the mansion. 
but one member of the team has to push the others in the baby carriages, which I think were from the New York Challenge and World Tour. Yes, yes, the New York Challenge and World Tour. The villains had Joe being their pusher, while the heroes had Lindsay, and oh my god! Have we already arrived at a moment of character ruining? I think yes. we have. Yes, we did. We if, I'm, if I'm projecting my voice, that means we had. So. Lindsay. <laughs> but I shit you not. Lindsay forgot how to push. I, I, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, she literally deadass forgot how to push. <laughs> so, um... Oh, God, I don't even know where to begin. This, I, I've talked about this moment before. We, I've talked about it with Eric on our pod, our, on our Total Drama episodes together. I've talked about it on Total Drama solos before. One of the most infamous character moments in Total Drama history. Lindsay has gone through so many seasons of development. She was a goofball, like a ditz in Island. She slowly learns to stand up for herself really impressively. You know, she loses, but she stands up to Heather. Then we get action. She outlasts Heather. She does a great job. And the only reason she loses is because the writers, you know, wanted to have Courtney make it further. Whatever. World tour. Okay. She's pretty much exactly where she was in action. She's not really the a main, a main character anymore. So she doesn't do as much. She has the gag with Tyler. That's about it. And now we see her here. And one of the first and most important things she does is forget how to push. Which it is worth noting, there are non-human animals that understand the mechanics of pushing. I, I'm at a loss, man. Lindsay is now dumber than some types of dogs. I don't even know what to say other than I really don't think the All-Stars writers did any of their homework. I don't think they did. I thought they were to be I think they thought it would be funny to have, oh, Lindsay, she's the dumb girl, right? Let's make her do something dumb. I don't think they bothered rewatching any of the old episodes. I'm probably going to use this term with all the characters that got derailed like that. Hashtag not my Lindsay. Yeah, hashtag not my Lindsay is right. Lindsay's arc ended in World Tour for all I'm considered. Yeah, so throughout the episode, it is what you expected. All the characters, they alternate, they jump off the cliff. Most of the keys they found weren't working, especially one key that looks like Cody for some reason. And you know Sierra's <laughs> going to be on top of that shit. But also... The only known mutant animal that's still around the island is Fang. And Scott, he refuses to jump because, you know, have you seen Revenge of the Island? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's good to see him back, though. So while Scott and Lightning were fighting, they accidentally pushed the robot off the cliff. And then in the water, the robot explodes and boom, out comes Alejandro. <laughs> yes, so again, if you've seen World Tour, you see that coming, obviously. But the characters, no one but Chris really knew that Alejandro was in there, so it's a big shock to them. Especially um, to Heather. Cause I yep. think she was like, are you fucking kidding me? Or something like that. <laughs> like, that was early, a good moment. Because like earlier moment. she was like, I'm so glad Alejandro's not here. Now I can focus on the game. <laughs> I will say, this is a horrible season, but I'll bring up the moments I like when they come, because there's very few of them. And like, that reveal they, scene is probably one of them. I do like everyone being like, oh my god, what, Alejandro? And then you have Scott like looking like, I don't know who the like, hell that is. <laughs> I'm counting the fingers on my scene. hand. There's probably like, I, I want to say maybe three or four things I like about this season. <laughs> and that's one of them. Yeah, it's just a good reveal. And then, of course, we learn two things immediately about Alejandro. In the actual show... We learn that his legs are asleep and like he's kind of not paralyzed, but very weak. So he starts walking around on his hands, which we see him do for most of the first half of the season. And the second thing we notice from a meta standpoint is he's got a new voice actor, which um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Eh, 
it was all right. Yeah, I mean, it definitely it, wasn't. It yeah. is typical for cartoon characters to get new voices every new season or so. Yeah. But sorry to those who actually prefer Alejandro's old voice, but trust us, that is the least offensive aspect from All Stars. Yeah, it's true. Like if if you're listing the worst sins of All Stars, I don't even think Alejandro's voice actor makes the top fifty. <laughs> yeah. But thanks, to Alejandro. They found the right key that opens the mansion, so the villains win the first challenge. Yep. And yes. with that, they get the mansion. And actually, I'm very surprised. Again, I, this is going to be another thing I'll bring up that I kind of liked. The winning team gets a reward, which is kind of nice. Like, the mansion doesn't blow up immediately like it did in Revenge of the Island. Uh, there actually is something you're working towards other than just non-elimination. Uh, a callback to the old reward challenges that have not existed since World Tour. And now it's time for the elimination ceremony where the contestants, they have portraits of the contestants and you have to draw an X to see who they want to eliminate. And the person that gets eliminated takes the flush of shame. Yes, the writers must have known how shitty this season was going to be. So they have the eliminated contestants <laughs> flush away in a giant toilet. Oh my I, God. Yeah, I like, don't know. That's a little bit on the nose if you ask me. <laughs> We've been talking about this too. I don't know why they're being so stupid with the elimination methods. Like... In a season that we see the return of the normal island, we see them going into the out uh, the outhouse confessional. Why not just do the Doctor Shame again? I know why, because they think you know more dramatic equals more funny equals better. But whatever, it's a giant toilet. Like like you said, all it does is represent the season. It doesn't actually mean anything. <laughs> like I mean, granted, the drop of shame and the hurl of shame, they had their moments here and there. But this, this is just insulting. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know how close the vote is, but we do have our unlucky loser. And that is, oh my god, of course it's Lindsay. Yeah, now, in, okay, let me play devil's advocate, because like I said in our Total Drama contestant review, Lindsay's one of the best characters in the show, and she gets done so dirty here. She literally, instead of casting a vote in the confessional, just writes an X on her own face, which you can argue she's voted for herself in every season she's been in, pretty much. But in action, it was an accident. And in World Tour, she was just, she liked stamping the, the pictures of herself. She's like, oh, stamping, this is fun. So those are like typical ditzy moments. She doesn't vote herself out here. She draws an X on her own face like she doesn't know how a freaking marker works now. What are you doing? Go home, All-Stars writers. You're drunk. You're wasting our times. <laughs> the one silver lining, of course, is that Lindsay's only ruined in one episode. She doesn't have to suffer through a whole season like some other characters have to so at least you could say it's some kind of mercy but, but still but here's something interesting matt so apparently there was a cut scenario where prior to all stars Lindsay and tyler broke up and she was so butthurt about it so i, I don't know maybe they could have worked a way around that to develop her in the season like maybe yeah. Lindsay, like Lindsay would just learn how to you know let tyler go and move on in life and who knows yeah, I, maybe I, she could have yeah. made it to the finale with that storyline but no, let's just make her forget how to push a freaking stroller and flush her down a toilet in the first episode. Yeah, and hello, not only that, but if you still want to have that storyline and still kick out Lindsay first, you can do that without ruining Lindsay. You just have her either, A, be really sad about the breakup and not, you know, do as well in the, in the cart pushing, or B... You have her be like, okay, I'm going to move on. I'm going to be determined. Maybe you have a little bit of the, like, action Sir Lindsay, her hotness stuff, or Admiral Lindsay, her hotness, where she's, like, being bossy. Like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to prove I'm better than Tyler, and her teammates get annoyed and vote her out first. There are ways to have Lindsay get voted out first and still have her be a competent character, and the writers did not do that. 
So I don't know. Yeah, maybe that uh, that arc with Tyler's breakup would have worked. I don't know. But we'll never know because they just decided to shoot themselves in the foot and abandon a perfectly good character. Uh, so, oh, well. I mean, at least she's still with Tyler. Yeah, as that's far, nice. I, I am, am kind of glad that they're still together because that's one of the oldest couples in the whole show. Also, another theme for this season, somebody from the winning team has to be exiled to Boney Island. Oh, yes. And the whole reason is that you can have an opportunity to find the uh, little immunity statue on Boney Island. So, you know, somebody gets a chance to, as a reward. But, the of course, the alternative is uh, you get to look for that, but you also have to sleep in the wilderness. <laughs> and the villain that volunteers first was Lightning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, already we're in a rough start. But yeah, it gets is... so much worse, my friends. Yeah, this is not a good episode, and it is probably not even close to the worst. So, huh, let's just uh, keep powering through. Episode 2, Evil Dread. Mm-hmm. So in this episode, we get a, a little bit more character moments. We learn that uh, the villains are having a rough time uh, working together, especially because some people think they're better than others. Some people are debating who should be the leader of the team, that kind of stuff. Uh, namely, Heather and Joe are at each other's throats. And the heroes are mostly doing all right, chugging along. The challenge is a beach kind of archaeological dig. So each team gets a big, you know, certain square on the sand. And they have to go digging for parts of a statue, like the Paris Challenge in World Tour. And they have to set up this statue, and it's going to be, each team has a different statue. And both of the statues are landmarks from one of the places they visited in World Tour, so nice touch. Uh, Of course, they have to try their best to dig, since the heroes lost, they don't even get shovels. And there's also all sorts of booby traps and landmines in the sand, so they really gotta try their hardest to work together here first team to build their statue wins and then the last team sends somebody home i will say this episode did have another moment that i liked and that was after the commercial break we have a close-up of chris whispering saying like yeah it's been two hours and the contestants still haven't found one piece of their artwork or whatever (laughs) which begs me to one question what is taking so long (laughs) like i'll admit for as shitty as this season is that moment did make me laugh. <laughs> that does sound pretty funny. I, I don't remember that, but... Okay, so, uh, where do we even tackle first? We get some character moments. Again, I think the Heather-Joe rivalry is interesting, because I really do like both of them as characters. This is, uh, you know, spoiler alert, they're, they're not going to do very much with it at all in this season, but it could have been kind of cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that kind of... They start butting heads. Lightning proves to be a real tool, and Gwen kind of looks around the Villainous Vultures to see if she has any friends at all and um we get some interesting potential alliances for one alejandro talks to gwen which i realized while i was watching that like that interaction never really happened which is kind of crazy i mean the only glimpse of interactions they had was when alejandro saved her in jamaica me sweat back in season three that's right yeah other than that nothing another interesting concept that is either poorly executed or not executed at all in this case the latter and then, yeah, we also start an interesting trend this episode where Sam just gets the ever-loving snot kicked out of him. We start the episode, he gets all of his blood sucked by a mosquito. He's the demonstrator of the pitfall around their platform by falling in, getting attacked by crabs. He is then, you know, hoisted into the ocean and stung by a jellyfish. And then he pees on himself on camera. So, yeah, I don't really know what the hell's going on, whether they thought they just had to do this to a character, but... I don't know. It's almost as bad as what they did with Trent in season one. 
Yeah, and I would argue it's worse because at least in season one, Trent got to do other stuff. For Sam, this is it. This is his entire point to be in the season is to just get abused. Poor Sam. And poor Mike, too, because this episode introduced <laughs> probably the most controversial aspect of the season, his yes. evil personality. Now, granted, it wasn't intentional because earlier in the episode, Cameron utilized Manitoba Smith's digging ability to search up all the artifacts or whatever. And Scott, mm-hmm. being Scott, tried to cheat the system. But no, Manitoba was able to stop in his tracks. But while swatting away bees, he accidentally hits Mike in the back of the head with his shovel. And that triggered his other personalities to be like, oh shit, the malevolent one's coming. And then we get introduced to his evil personality, Mal, who they don't even try to hide the fact that he's the villain this season. Yeah, uh, and we are going to talk about Mal, but oh my god. It's not as bad in this episode, but... No, because this episode just kind of hints. You see the warning signs start to come. Yeah. I get kind of why they decided to have Mal be the main villain. Because when you have a team full of villains, how do you just pick one? But really, I mean, honestly, the dirty secret is you didn't need to just have one. You could have all the villains fighting with each other, you know, do cool things with everyone. You don't have to uh, assassinate Mike and Zoe, who I already didn't really like that much. So, again, just more character assassination, character derailments. But we're going to get to all that because, like Eric said, it is not that bad in this episode. It is going to get much worse. So right now, just know that Mal, the malevolent one, is introduced from Scott hitting Mike in the head with a shovel by accident. And now we have this secret personality that Mike had locked away. But that's not important right now. We have to talk about who wins this challenge. Because Lightning miscounted how many pieces they dug up, the heroes managed to finish their statue first, and they win. And since Sam was literally getting his ass beat throughout the episode, (laughs) he was like, you know what? I'll volunteer to be exiled first. (laughs) Which goes as well as you expect. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you can imagine how that goes. Uh, also, and, another thing I have to bring up. You remember the legendary rivalry between Courtney and Gwen? How does All-Stars treat that? Oh, yeah, I almost forgot about that. Well, Gwen actually feels sorry for what she did to Courtney, that she tries to, you know, make amends with her. But every time when she tries to, you know, buddy up to her, she ends up, like, attacking her in some way or another. Unintentionally, of course. But, oh my god, this is what Gwen has become to? Looking for sympathy? Yeah, again, I just like to call back to season one where Gwen's kind of like this, oh, you know, I'm out for myself, whatever, people are whatever. And I get that character development happens. She made friends, she learned to stand up for herself, and it was nice. But this is just pathetic. All she does is follow Courtney around like a lost puppy dog. Like, that's oh, oh. that was never Gwen. And I, I remember, she was even breaking down into tears in the confessional one episode. Not in this episode, but one of them. She was like, oh my god. I only came back to the show so I could be friends with Courtney, and now she hates me. And I'm like, this is Gwen? What did you do to Gwen? (laughs) Like, yeah, you can argue her crying in season one. At least that made sense, because, you know, she just had her heart broken. This? I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. I could buy that Gwen would feel a little bit bad about what she did to Courtney, but two things prevent me from feeling bad, like, from understanding. One... She's written horribly. Like, it's not like, oh, I feel a little bad, but, you know, I'm Gwen, and I'm kind of, like, more of a kind of poker-faced girl, so I'm not going to really say anything, or I'm going to be very subtle. You know, subtlety is dead in total drama. But two, she starts, like, gaslighting in this season. I remember specifically when she falls from the plane, she's like, I'm not a homewrecker. Uh, Courtney and Duncan weren't together at the time. But if you go back and watch World Tour, yes, they were. They were. They were together. So, like, I don't understand why, like, you have Gwen searching for sympathy 
And then also simultaneously, she spends this whole season lying and saying like, oh, Duncan and Courtney had broken up. I was just a bad friend by pursuing Courtney's ex. No, there was literally the scene before you kissed Duncan. They were hugging like Courtney's like, I'm glad to have you back. They were dating. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's genuinely something the writers forgot, because again, you'll notice that's a pattern, but they just don't know what they're doing with Gwen. But in fairness, they don't know what they're doing with literally anyone. So it's okay. Yeah, we'll get to Duncan eventually because even he isn't spared by the shittiness of this season. Oh, Duncan. <laughs> but in the meantime, big surprise, Lightning gets eliminated, which I was not surprised with whatsoever. I mean, yeah, he spent he spent the whole episode being overconfident and being I, like, I'm the best, whatever. When you look about all the characters and how much of an impact they left to the series, Lightning is not one of those characters, despite making it to the finale last season. Yeah. He just kind of chilled out on Scott on the Toxic Rats. Then he hung out with Joe for a little bit. And then he was just like, oh, hey, I'm in the finale. And I'm mad at Cameron. I still say that should have been Joe, but whatever. I mean, I like Lightning. But yeah, he didn't really have too much to offer. And I agree with you. In the grand scheme of things, he's probably one of the less important contestants this season. So it makes sense, I guess, to kick him out this early. You know, sorry, Lightning. Episode three. I think it's Saving Private Leech Ball. Uh, correct. Saving Private Leech Ball. So, in apparent callback to the War Challenge from Total Drama Action, which will be like one of the very few times that season's even referenced, um, because again, I don't think the writers watched it, but that's neither here nor there. The campers, uh, they get to arm themselves with leeches, and in a kind of combination of that challenge with the Paintball Deer Challenge from Season 1, they head out into the woods and they just have to shoot each other down, and first team to lose all of their members and have all their members get hit by leeches they send someone home so it's a pretty straightforward challenge earlier in that episode the heroes actually salvaged some of their breakfast foods and gave it to sam when he was done with his exile fully solidifying that hey these are the good guys you should be rooting for but guess which hero didn't bring food for sam it's a real mystery who wouldn't give sam food who was probably starving to death on bony island somebody yeah. who always cares about herself and not anybody else Always cares about winning. It's fucking Courtney. <laughs> yeah. So Courtney doesn't bring any food. We're starting to see the tension between Courtney on and the heroes. Almost like she should have never been on this team in the first place because she was rarely ever written to be heroic, except maybe in season one and parts of season three. So yeah, again, no reason. But she's here and it's almost like the characters are realizing, hey, wait, what the hell are you doing here, Courtney? You're not a hero. And on the other side of the coin, Duncan seems to act more sympathetic towards Gwen saying like, hey, don't worry, you got this. Like, he's fully supportive towards her, as any mm -hmm. boyfriend should. Yeah. I don't know about you, Matt, but this has foreshadowing written all over it. Oh, it sure does. And it'll only be exemplified in the challenge itself. Yeah, standout moments. Uh, I probably should have mentioned this earlier. I have not seen any of the episodes recently, so this is just based off my memory. But oh, I do you. remember Zoe being the MVP for the Heroes team, that is. Yeah, we get to see that she retains a lot of her, like, crazy athletic ability that she got at the end of last season, where she's, like, back flipping up into trees and stuff, which I really don't have a major problem with. I do think she kind of got that skill out of absolute nowhere. She was just mad that Mike got eliminated. But whatever, you know, it's Man. hardly the worst character moment in the series, so uh, I'll, I'll let it slide. Villains, not really that much other than Duncan. It's just Joe having more friction with her team. Yeah, the Joe I mean and Heather stuff. I think they said something about, like, oh, if we had Lightning on our team, we would have had more of an advantage because two athletes are better than one, they say. Mm. 
I think she even brought up in one scene, it's like, maybe it wasn't a good idea to boot Lightning out this early. Then they had like a recording of Lightning saying, I told you so, Joe. What? How did you? <laughs> he had that recording saved in the confessionals just for this occasion. <laughs> Which and, I got to say, that's a that's probably the smartest thing Lightning's ever done is, is predict that Joe would regret voting him off. <laughs> and lo and behold, that is the third thing I actually liked about All-Stars. And you, you notice that it's all within the first few episodes. So we're not getting to my fourth thing for a while, I can tell you that. No. <laughs> Oh my god, I just remember another flaw from the hero side. We all know yeah. Sierra, arguably Total Drama's biggest fan, especially when it comes to Cody and Chris. But, oh my god. Oh no, don't say it. We all know Sierra loves Cody, but she doesn't just love Cody, she worships him. <laughs> and she's going through separation anxiety where she needs to be with Cody, but if Cody's not with her, in a certain duration of time, she starts to hallucinate everyone and everything as Cody, starting with Cameron. Are you fucking kidding me? Has there been a character yet that we've stopped to talk about that it isn't just, wow, they really screwed this up, because here we are again with Sierra, who I think arguably has one of the worst derailments in the series. Maybe that's controversial to say, I'll explain. The whole point of World Tour was Sierra learning, hey, Cody's my friend. She, he's not my boyfriend, and that's okay. I'm okay. like as long as I'm special to Cody, that's what matters. That all gets thrown right out the window because first of all, she's just extremely romantically obsessed with Cody immediately. Whatever that sucks in and of its own right. But now we also have this weird thing where she, if she's away from him too long, she starts going nuts. Which presumably she spent 17 years of her life without Cody. So why, why is this all of a sudden a thing? I, I don't understand it all. Dude. You got me, Matt. Because I'm still trying to figure out the mindsets of these new writers. Granted, it's only mild in this episode. But, as we established before, any flaws that are brought up in earlier episodes get exemplified in future episodes. Meaning, shit doesn't get any better. Mm -hmm. It does not get any better. It gets worse before it gets better, as the saying goes. Yeah. Uh, so, again, just Sierra's entire character arc from World Tour is thrown out. She's nothing now but just a a cody fangirl um yeah. which if you're pessimistic you say that's what she always was but no i think there's there's better character hidden in there in world tour we see development and that is all gone which yeah. total drama all-stars tagline might as well be where character development goes to die because so far that is exactly what's happening to every character in terms of the challenge the heroes won thanks to zoe but before that we get to see some action that really start to question what character deserves to go on which team as we have Courtney using Sam as a human shield from leeches, and Duncan saving Gwen from being attacked by those said leeches. Yeah, he takes the bullet for her, or takes the leech for her, I guess. <laughs> but and ultimately, then, even Duncan doing that is not enough to save the villains from elimination. So right before the elimination ceremony, Chris had Duncan and Courtney switch teams, meaning that Courtney's now on the villainous vultures, and Duncan's on the heroic hamsters, which, why didn't they do this shit in the first place? <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't get it. I mean, I, I do kind of get it. I know from the writing standpoint, they wanted to have the, haha, Gwen, you're a villainous vulture, and I'm a heroic hamster. Haha, ha, I'm Courtney. I'm better than you. But I feel like it would have been fine if they started out with Gwen and... If you had Gwen and Courtney on the villains together in the first episode, and Courtney would be like, what? why am I a villain? Gwen's the villain. And Gwen's like, no, I'm not, bitch. You're the villain. And then you have Duncan on the heroes, and he's like, what am I doing here? Like, you can have those fun moments in episode one. This is another problem this season. There's a lot of team switching, and it really doesn't make any sense. 
in a lot of cases. Like, they, they really go overboard with it, in my opinion. So, you know, sometimes it happens once, but, like, they go overboard. The teams kind of don't mean anything by the time the merge happens, but we'll get to all that good stuff when we get to all that good stuff. In terms of who got eliminated, big surprise, it's Joe. She's kind of in the same boat with Lightning, where she wasn't that much of an integral character. She was just kind of there during the merge. Yeah, they were building stuff up, the team leadership crisis, and it gets silently put away. Like, oh, yep, okay, Heather wins the leadership debate. Joe's eliminated by Joe. And it's just like, okay, well, there goes Joe. And Cameron volunteers to be exiled from his team. Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it because uh, Sierra's starting to creep him out? Oh, no, that's exactly why he volunteered. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, all right, I got to get away for a little bit. I think she even uh, starts calling Cameron Cody now. It's like, oh my god! Like, oh, let's not talk about that. Let's just move yeah, on to the next episode. <laughs> let's not. <laughs> Which let's I think is on. called Food Fright. This yes. is the pancake episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, each member of each team must dump their faces full of pancake. Then a buzzer will go off, and they both have to run through the obstacle course that I believe it was from episode two of Revenge of the Island, where they had to wear those funny glasses. This time they don't. And uh, if you puke. You are automatically out. And first person to have the most possible members make it to the end uh, wins. Our first team to have most of its members make it to the end wins. Uh, And the team with the uh, least amount loses. We get to see some interesting interactions where Duncan is actually welcomed by open arms to the heroes team. And he is pissed off about that. Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, in a way, this did bother me because Duncan knows he's a good guy. But how come when people call him that, it annoys him? Okay, so I, I kind of feel like a therapist with a big line outside my door. It's like I take each character in. Now it's time for Duncan. Please come in. Take a seat, Duncan. We're, we're now up to you. He is pathetic. It's like Gwen. Like, why does he care so much what other people think of him? He's never been like that. Exactly. I mean, I guess, yeah, like, there's little hints of it in season one, like when he saves DJ's bunny from the woods and he's like, oh, Courtney, don't tell anyone. Like, I'll deny it. But in this case, he's just like, Hey, don't call me on like don't call me nice, bro. Like I'm not nice, bro. I'm mean. I'm evil. Uh, exactly. <laughs> he's trying to keep his bad boy image, which we know he's beyond that as of season yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, like, granted, I, I there were small glimpses of it where he's like, whatever, in seasons two and three. But we know, and Duncan himself knows that he's a good guy at heart. But yeah, <laughs> they just freaking ruined that aspect this season. And that's what it is, right there. You you said it yourself. If somebody. You know, if Duncan was written normally and in character and somebody said, Duncan, you're so nice. He wouldn't say, no, I'm not, bro. And he wouldn't say, yeah, I'm really nice. He would just say, yeah, whatever. Like, he'd roll his eyes and walk away. Like, that's just how he is. That's always been how he is. He's not the kind of person to get up in arms like, I'm not nice. I'm not going to call me that. Like, it's so pathetic. How did you screw up this many characters? And we're only four episodes in. The only interesting thing about Duncan this season is that apparently... He had a past interaction with Mike, air quotes. Yes, we don't find out yet, but he starts being like, oh, this guy looks a little suspicious. Um, and speaking of Mike, we get to see him messing around with his team, so to speak. As we've shown in the last episode, he destroyed Sam's game guy. And <laughs> then he was shown laughing at, I think, when his teammates got hurt or something. Yeah. So, yeah, small glimpses here and there, but it's going to blossom into something worse. <laughs> so much worse. And speaking of Sam... This episode actually gave him focus, believe it or not. But even that's not a good thing because it's once again him getting his ass beat. Granted, he does win their team the challenge until. Is there anything we should talk about before we get to that? Or should we just say fucking and talk about the ending? 
we'll talk about the ending. There's something I want to talk about with this episode as a whole that I can save until the end. Uh, so yeah, let's go right into uh, like to the big plot twist. So it turns out Sam actually shoved pieces of pancake in his pocket right before the challenge ends. So he didn't technically win the challenge for his team. And his excuse, oh, uh, I want to save myself some food in case I get eggs out of the phony island. Sorry, guys. So with that said, <laughs> the heroes are forced to give up their victory to the villains. There's just one thing I don't understand. It's like, okay, this could work, but in the end, it really doesn't make sense because, first off, you volunteer yourself to be exiled. Yeah, I was just going to say it's volunteer. It's voluntary. And plus, you were already exiled two episodes earlier, so why would we be worried about you being exiled again? Yeah, like, first of all, it's voluntary. Second of all, like you said, Eric, if, if it wasn't voluntary, Sam could step forward and say, listen, I already went. When do you guys go? And that would be fair. Third of all, we know that the heroes are heroic. We saw them give him food when he got back. They care. So if he was exiled again, they would probably just do that again. Like, he knows this. We got to see a scene where they're like, here, Sam, eat this food. This decision makes no sense other than they wanted to get rid of Sam. It's so, like, you see the strings. It's like a puppet show. You see the strings. You know what you're watching isn't real. Sam gets eliminated, even though his team, and we've seen it, they genuinely care about him. You know what? Fuck Sam. <laughs> he screwed the challenge for us. His ass is game flushed away. It's not wow. like Cameron would have the votes to say, hey, let's get rid of Sierra or anything like that. No, let's just get rid of Sam. Oh my like, God. Don't get it. And um, one fun fact I like about this episode that I remember reading about when I watched it, and I think I actually noticed it when I watched it for the first time, Zoe doesn't say a single thing. She doesn't have a single line the entire episode, which is insane when you remember how this season ends. <laughs> the writers yeah. could not be bothered to give her a single line. She was like downgraded to a Sadie in the mid-Total Drama Island episodes. I don't even know what to say about that. Let's just move on to the next episode. <laughs> it's it's literally like she's a stockholder or a, a um like she's just like a placeholder until Mike's plot really starts. Which spoiler alert, that's actually a, a good segue into our next episode, uh, Moon Madness. I think I have all the episodes. I'm not the most knowledgeable towards because, like I said. Roughly, I've seen every episode once, but this one, I remember not liking it a lot, so maybe that's why I only saw it once, but... <laughs> yeah, so there's, like, some blue harvest moon going on, like, some rare moon thing happening that we've never heard of before, and it makes all the wildlife go crazy, which basically translates to the, the mean animals become sweet, and the sweet animals become mean, even though we've seen in the past in Total Drama, most cute-looking animals are already pretty mean, but I guess that's just put on hold. But the moon doesn't only affect the animals, it also took effect on Mike. In that moon, Mal is in complete control, and he is obviously, and I repeat, obviously messing with his team, especially Cameron, who he knows is the intellect. Like, um, my god, they don't even try to hide the fact that Mal is the villain in the season. No, they don't. <laughs> He's the most evilly evil man yet. And everybody is so fucking stupid to realize it. Even Cameron... Yeah, you have Zoe who knows Mike, or Zoe and Cameron who know Mike better than anyone, and both of them are just dumbfounded. They don't understand at all. Until, Cameron doesn't even understand until the very end, spoiler warning, but uh, Zoe even really doesn't understand until close to the very end. Like, they are idiots! I mean, Cameron, I genuinely consider Cameron to be one of the more consistent characters this season. He doesn't get beaten up and, like, ruined too badly, in contrast to some of the other characters who really just get thrown through the coals. But even then, he has some stupid moments still. Like, why 
he's known he was the first person to know about mike's alternate personalities you'd think he'd be like huh that's weird mike's acting not like mike maybe it's a personality thing like i don't know i don't remember but the only thing i legit remember was when saving courtney from a deer or some shit like that but even then courtney was like thanks for saving my life fuck you (laughs) there are some stuff with the villains in this in this episode i think was there a Heather and Alejandro drama, or is that in the next episode? Heather pretends that the the blue moon affects her, and like is really nice. Oh my which god! Was like, weird, I was really weird. I dead ass forgot about that. Yeah, she pretends that the moon affects her, and she's like acting really nice. And everyone's like, "What the hell?" Then again, it's probably for the best for me because it's best to not think about this season too much. Yeah, I mean, that's then true. Then again, we kind of have to. I mean, that's the whole point of this retrospective episode. <laughs> Yeah, we do have to think about it too hard. Yeah, so I think the villains win, but Cameron volunteers to be eliminated. But here's another major red flag. Chris announced that whoever gets eliminated from the Heroes team actually joins the villain team. Which, again, we're already five episodes in, and the teams already mean nothing. Like, why would you do that? You, you've made it so clear that the teams are actually important this season. You have Heroes and Villains, and then it's just, oh, if you get eliminated, you're going on that other team. Like, bro, this isn't Revenge of the Island. The teams matter. Cameron's not villainous. He's one of the nicest characters, actually, because instead of getting Mike and Zoe to help him vote off Sierra, he says, you know what? I'll just get away from Sierra myself. Like, that's one of the nicest things he could have done, and he's thrown to the villains team. And you can say, oh, it's ironic. And mind you, at the end of the season four finale, Cameron was willing to spend his entire million dollars on all his friends rather than his self-gravitations. That's a fucking villain to you? And again, I don't want to hear the excuse of it's ironic because it doesn't matter who got eliminated. Chris was planning on putting anyone on the villains. If it was Sierra who was eliminated, Mike, Zoe, uh, anyone would have been put on the villains. Why the hell are there heroes and villains then? Like, it's almost like you should have saved that for, or, or saved this team switch for another season or just not had it at all. It's stupid. Like, it, it really doesn't accomplish anything. Cameron doesn't... The only thing that develops is Cameron becomes kind of friends with Gwen, and that's it. You could have had that happen after the merge. If You didn't have to put Cameron on the other team. It makes no sense. I'm sorry. But it even then, decision. those interactions aren't even that fleshed out. No. It, it was like the beginning of an idea that someone had, and they never actually developed it. Yeah, like, spoilers, the next episode, <laughs> that's when those interactions start to blossom. But, as we established before... Every idea that seems like a good idea gets immediately debunked. <laughs> yeah, it either turns out to be a really bad idea or they just don't do it at all. Um, but two last-minute things to talk about in this episode is we do have some relationship drama, um, both romantic and non-romantic relationships. We have Duncan becoming really suspicious of Mal. Um, he's the only one, despite having a brainiac named Cameron on the team, Duncan's the only one to be like, hey, Mike seems to be screwing us up. And then on the Villainous Vultures, we have Scott and Courtney start to become kind of friendly-ish towards each other. Which, I don't know, how do you feel about Scott and Courtney? I didn't really care about that, to be honest with you. Like, I literally deadass do not care (laughs) about relationships this season. Because it doesn't matter who gets into a relationship or not. I know it's going to be a (laughs) shitstorm. Yeah, like, part of the reason we care about relationships is because we care about the characters. And in this season, you don't care about any of the characters. So why the hell should we care? Which leads into Duncan and Gwen break up this episode. I totally forgot about that, but Duncan... Oh my god, they did. (laughs) Yeah. Duncan starts telling Gwen, like, hey, is Courtney paying attention to me? Hey, I want Courtney to pay attention to me. Which, again... What? (laughs) 
which again, I cannot drive this point home enough. Duncan doesn't care what other people think about him. That's his whole point. For some reason, he forgot that. Um, and Gwen's like, oh my God, why would you say that? Which, yeah, Duncan, why would you say that to your girlfriend? And on top of that, World Tour pretty much confirms that Duncan is no longer into Courtney, hence why he was dating Gwen. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, he wants Courtney's attention? Get that shit out of here. Oh, I don't even know where to get into it. It's so hashtag, weird. Hashtag not my Duncan. You know what? I might as well get this out of the way. Hashtag not my love triangle. That includes Duncan, Gwen, and Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's really weird. Um, But now, yeah, that whole love triangle thing, the whole thing that was really important in World Tour, it's over. Duncan and Gwen break up, and I believe they never even really reconcile. Like, that's it. Duncan never talks to Gwen or Courtney again, really. And, and they, there's no closure. There's nothing. Um, So, way to waste our time. God, only five episodes, and already I'm losing my shit. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're not, not even, even at halfway half- done. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just move on to episode six. No one expects the Spanish opposition. Yes, so it turns out Chris was not being 100% truthful when he said all of the mutants and stuff were gone. He just moved them all to an area called the Fun Zone on Boney Island. And so the teams are sent there. The goal is to collect as many eggs from the different mutants as possible, and whoever gets the most eggs wins. I do remember one scene in that episode, and that is Larry. Even though Larry's a plant, the radiation caused him to lay eggs. And then when one of the eggs hatch, you see a baby Larry with Chris's head on it. There are no words. This is total drama now, people, where humans and plants can have sexual intercourse. And then, like, Chef gives Chris a dirty look, and he's, like, whistling innocently, like, bro, you stick your penis in a Venus flytrap. My god. Where do we even go from here? Should we even just talk about who wins? Because I don't think there really isn't that much to talk about in this episode. (laughs) Yeah, the heroes win because they managed to grab all of Larry's eggs, I think. Yeah, they get all of them, and they, like, dump a whole bunch in, and they win. I do remember one thing in that episode. Heather finds the invincibility statue. And she stows away where no one can find it, except for Alejandro, who knew exactly where she hid it. As expected, Alejandro took the invincibility statue, and it saved his ass from elimination. All right, which means it's time for our next patient. Heather, come on in. Have a seat, Heather. Let's talk. When, in the entire history of Total Drama, has the most famous, scheming, lying Queen Bee ever decided... Gee, I better just hide this invincibility statue under this plant instead of just keep it. Like, I don't want anyone to see me with it. B.S. Like, I know they're not going to fit in your pockets because you barely have any pockets, Heather. But, like, that's just an animation criticism. We know you could have hit it. Should I even say it? Hashtag not my Heather. One of the most famous villains. Well, actually, no. The most famous villain in Total Drama history is Dunn. Because she doesn't look around to make sure nobody's around to see her hide the invincibility statue in, like, some random-ass rock. What a joke. I will admit, that scene did make me laugh a little when she was like, You! 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 Sorry to interrupt your tantrum, Heather, but the person who got eliminated is you. You! You! (laughs) Like, that did make me laugh a little bit, but even that's not enough to save Heather in this episode. Yeah, so just like that, Heather's gone. Yeah, uh, let me rephrase that. Heather, the greatest villain in the entire series, well, one of the greatest villains next to Alejandro, 
is eliminated just like that. Let that sink in, people. A character as important as Heather gets eliminated that way. Yeah, again, very pathetic. What else is to be expected from the show by this point? Oh, yeah. Mike volunteers for elimination, and that's when Duncan realizes, oh, shit, that's not Mike, that's Mal. I went to Juvie with him. Yep. I should say, too, in this episode, Mike decides to drop a boulder on his head to try to get Mal out of there, and it just, like, awakens him permanently. So now he's just Mal. Uh, So nice going. (laughs) We're going to elaborate on that more, but let's just talk about the next episode. Suckers Punched. Yes. So Suckers Punched combines the kind of just a a boxing, which I guess you could say is kind of the boxing challenge from uh, action, but, I mean, I think you'd have to squint a little bit because I don't think they mentioned that. With the Phobia Factor Challenge from Season 1. So the final contestants are facing their fears in a boxing ring. Although, to be fair, it's like a a wheel that has everybody's fears on it. And they just so happen to land on everybody's specific fears when they spin them. I remember watching this episode and I was like, yo, this shit is rigged. And yeah, it was. The first half of the episode, they purposely did that. But then Chris was like, oh shit. I'm just going to have to mess up the system so that way it doesn't rouse suspicion. Yeah, um, we we had Alejandro finding his older brother, Jose, which, you know, it was a nice interaction. We finally yeah. got to see what Jose was, but, it, you know. It was kind of cool. Like, that actually, I got to give credit. That's probably another moment I kind of liked seeing Jose. And after being referenced, kind of being Alejandro's whole downfall in World Tour. But um, even that, his defeat wasn't even that grand. I mean, if you're going to take down the whole reason behind Alejandro's insecurities, it could have been a lot better. Yeah, could have done it with style. But yeah, that's... I think it was Cameron was fighting a spider, but it was actually Izzy in disguise. Ah, uh, yes. And I should I did forget to mention, two of the characters' fears, Duncan's and Sierra's fears, are based off of stuff that happens in the previous episode that we didn't reference. So first off, one of the eggs hatches in No One Egg Specs the Spanish Acquisition into this disgusting mutant rat, Siamese twin, that Sierra adopts as Cody Jr. because she's freaking insane. And Duncan comes across a little bird, and when he steals their egg, the bird starts to cry, and he like starts calming it down. He starts crying, um, and it's like this whole thing. And it's like kind of funny the first time I watched it, but thinking about it, it's like really weird they're really trying to shoehorn the derailments they inflicted yeah so sierra has to fight that baby's mom and she gets her ass kicked and duncan has to fight that mama bird and he can't because he's like oh i can't it's just a poor little birdie Um, and as for gwen and courtney they're forced to fight each other yeah now granted they are starting to warm up to each other until chris showed off footage of you know gwen kissing duncan that made her jealous and you know courtney she isn't one to not let her emotions get the better of her. That is true. So, you know, they beat the living shit at each other, and then they're like, you know what? Let's just put aside all this petty shit, and let's hug it out. Literally. Yep. So they, they have a big hug, and that's it. They're friends again. Hooray. I'm not a big fan of that. No, I, I'm not I, either. <laughs> I really do love, like I said, I really love the rivalry between Courtney because of their polar personalities. Yeah, it, and a lot of it makes sense, like, why they would bicker and not get along. So just to have them both hug it out, it's very unlike either of them. I don't think either of them would ever say, let's solve a problem by hugging it out. Granted, they could become friends if they learn to respect each other. 
But as we see in the next episode, they pretty much have the same mindset. And we're talking like Katie and Sadie level of mindset. Yeah, they just become Katie and Sadie and it's really weird. Yeah, but in terms of eliminations, Sierra gets eliminated because I think the villains got to choose who they want to eliminate. And then Cameron was like, I hate to do this, but we choose Sierra only because have you noticed how fucking insane she's gotten this season? <laughs> okay, well, th- there's a lot of problems I have with this. First off, if Cameron wanted Sierra gone when she was getting insane, which she's been insane for most of the season now, he had not one but two opportunities to vote her out, which was in Mood Madness and Food Fright. And for some reason, he chose neither. Whatever. That's weird in and of itself, but whatever. Rewatching this episode, and I was just like, BS of Cameron huddling up with Alejandro and, like, Gwen and all these people and and somehow getting them all to agree to vote out Sierra? Like, you're telling me Alejandro and Scott weren't like, oh, no, we got to get Duncan out. He's a bigger threat, whatever. Courtney, bigger threat. They were just like, okay, little nerd who just joined our team. We'll listen to you. They don't have any respect for him. It, it makes no sense that Cameron is allowed to dictate who the villains pick. I, I never I, I understood know, that. Man. I never understood that. Whatever. She's off the island, but God, let's get some Fs in the chat for Cody. I don't <laughs> think Sierra's ever going to let him leave his side ever again. Yeah, because we, we've we just realized that she can't function as a character or as a human being without Cody, which again, undoes all of the end of World Tour. So hooray. I hope you didn't like World Tour because you get screwed. It gets undone. Oh, the next episode title is perfect. You gotta be kidding me. Yes. You, you know why? You reg- <laughs> Because, okay, so there's 14 contestants. Six of them have been eliminated. There's eight of them. Seems like the perfect time to merge the teams, right? Yes. They decided to merge the teams when there were eight contestants left. The title says it all, people. Yeah, you gotta be kidding me. Because really, think about it here for a second. Like, I blame the shorter seasons, first of all. Like, I, I think if they had longer seasons, we wouldn't be dealing with this. But, like, only six contestants were eliminated. Like, what? Hold the phone. We're already doing this? I don't even know what to say. I You said it all, Eric. Like, it makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, let's just move on to the challenge, which I think yes. is a boat race. Yeah, so it's a boat race around the island. You got to run to the docks and get the best boat before the, they're all taken. And somehow try to do, like, I think three laps around the island or something. Or maybe just one lap around the island. Point is, first person to do it gets invincibility in tonight's vote. In terms of moments, not really anything stands out. I mean, it's all-stars. You expect me to think of something positive? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I, Like you said, when and Courtney essentially become Katie and Sadie 2.0, which is vomiting. Yeah, you know? I, I remember, actually, the, the start of this episode, again, when I rewatched it, Gwen wakes up like they're in the villain they're in the mansion together because they won the last challenge and Gwen says something to Courtney like I just had a great dream where we were like I was on a cloud with a unicorn or some stupid crap like that I remember hearing her say that and I was like that's not Gwen (laughs) Gwen Gwen's literally a goth she doesn't she hates unicorns and clouds and sunshine and fun and rainbows like what the hell is this character Courtney are you okay thanks Gwen I thought I was gonna ruin my hair Oh no, I would never let anything happen to your hair. It's gorgeous. This is what? not... <laughs> and like, I get it. God, like, I... take a shot every time when my voice cracks during this recording. <laughs> take a shot every time a character acts out of character in All-Stars. On top of that, this episode depicts Cameron as villainous. 
Like, they try to make you believe that he's actually a villain. Like, the way they use Scott as fish bait or whatever. Or, sorry, in this case, shark bait. <laughs> yeah, when... That's really not... I mean, that's not... That's obviously very messed up, but... One, Scott bullied Cameron relentlessly for two seasons, so it's like, okay, kind of merited. And two, he was just thinking on his feet. That is the only way they had to make sure that they got invincibility, so... This even triggered Duncan because he was like, oh, crap, now Cameron is acting more villainous than me? I gotta do something to obtain my bad boy image. So what does he do? He leaves the challenge and blows up La Playa de Losers, which Chris now calls his cottage. Yeah, I like, think it's supposed to be, like, new, but they just didn't feel like drawing a new asset for it. <laughs> but, yeah. It's basically Playa de Losers, but Chris... Yeah. But I guess in a meta sense... They just, it's like you said, Matt, they were too lazy to build a new complex, so they just reused the same aspects from the resorts. I mean, I guess it's possible that he took over Playa de Losers, but I feel like Chris would think he's too good for that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so I think Alejandro wins the challenge. He does. I, I remember he wins it by a nose because he stands at the edge of his boat and, like, sticks his face over the finish line because his boat gets stuck. I, I do remember that moment. Another trend that starts, well, in this episode at least, is that Mike actually finds all his alternate personalities and convinces them to join forces so they can take down Mal, starting with Chester. Oh, yeah. We get, like, the, the mini saga inside Mike's head of him finding the personalities, doing random, like, really just random weird I mean, stuff that makes no sense. That does sound like a good idea, but they just do nothing with it. It's just very cut and paste. Like, isn't Chester, like, cutting butter or something? Or, like, playing with a ventriloquist or, like, some random stuff that makes... But, uh, yeah, that only solidifies my analogy. Like, what the hell's the point? Like, what are you doing? You're not to doing waste our times, that's yeah. why. Like, literally, that's it. It's just a waste of time. I don't understand why, we have, we're, why we're sitting through this. And then go figure. The most obvious villain in the entire series wants to form an alliance with the best villain in the series. In this case, Mal wants to join forces with Alejandro. Even Alejandro is like... Huh, Mike wants to join an alliance? That's unexpected. Whatever, I'm in. Yup. But, go figure, it really doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> wow, I'm so shocked. In the elimination ceremony, it looked like Cameron was gonna get eliminated. Because spoilers, well, not really spoilers, they show footage of Mal sabotaging the boat. But, in a twist, the police show up and arrest Duncan for destroying private property. And what does Duncan think about that? He's happy, because he's like, Oh yeah, see that? I'm a bad guy this whole time. I'm gonna rock it at Juvie. Oh no, you destroy private property. Your ass is going to actual jail. <laughs> and then Duncan was like, oh shit, I didn't mean to do all that. I'm a good guy. A good guy. Or something like that. And Wait, just buddy. like that, one of Total Drama's most iconic characters is written out in a pathetic way. I'm lost for words. This is how we're gonna remember Duncan's last moments pleading for mercy to not get arrested yeah i don't even know what to say because <laughs> heather at least gets to come back later on spoilers for one last appearance that's it that's the last we've seen of our favorite bad boy him pathetically claiming to be a good guy uh... in other news the next episode is actually the 100th episode for a milestone like that in a season like all-stars that's not worth celebrating yeah if this was a good all-star season, it would have been it would have made sense. Like, oh, it's cool. We have the old and new contestants coming together. It's the hundredth episode. But at this point, you know, we're nine episodes in, or like it's just proven itself to be so horrible 
that we see this and we're like, oh man, couldn't this have just come some other yeah. time? Like why? I think the episode is called Zeke and you shall find. Yep. Like Chris had these big plans to celebrate the 100th episode until a mysterious figure kidnaps him. Wow. I wonder who it is based on the title. Yeah. So uh, with that, the kidnapper brings Chris down to the mines where said kidnapper was hanging out in Revenge of the Island and Chef sends the contestants down to go save him. Whoever does so would get immunity in the vote. Okay, I don't have to draw this out. It's Ezekiel. Who else? Yeah. <laughs> and so he Ezekiel. is beyond pissed of all the shit he had to go through from seasons three <laughs> and four, thanks to Chris, that he was trying to dump him in a tub full of toxic waste to make him have a taste of his own medicine. And yep. what does Chris think about all this shit that's happening to him? Eh, he's just shrugging off. He's like, hey, Zeke, remember all this shit I did to you in season three and four? <laughs> Like, he just makes a big fucking joke about that. Like, Chris, your life is in danger. This isn't something to joke about. He's nuts. He's a psycho. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Scott and Courtney become a couple because that's supposed to be a thing, which I don't care about. Yeah, and then they have this, like, weird moment where Mal tricks Cameron into kissing Courtney, and it's like, Scott gets jealous, like what are you doing show stop trying to it's almost like the writers are like crap what do we oh. do now like oh, and, we uh, don't have any ideas let's just make everyone have love like issues oh and mal was even convincing cameron that gwen had it out for him what and then mal tries to like push cameron down a pit like and like actually freaking kill him like it's weird it's it's weird i don't even know what to say now's as good a time as any to talk about mal's motives he doesn't have any like that's it he he. i think he says he wants to win the show which you know every villain wants to win the show and he wants to build like a an evil wizard castle or some, some really <laughs> weird dude i swear like it, he's he like i don't even know what to say like i dead ass forgot that mouse didn't have a motive like yeah total drama villains have usually the motive of just winning they want to win uh, it makes sense they want a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars in heather's case in season one whatever makes sense but Usually they're like a little, you know, they have strategy, they have like motivations. They're like, oh, I want to win. So I get the money, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I want the attention, the power. With Mal, it's just no strategy, randomly fooling people who are being idiots and are thus very easy to be fooled. Right. And then when they, like, I think he says his motive once and it's just like, yeah, I want to build an evil tower. Ha ha ha. Like, this is a joke. Like, You're a comic I mean, book villain. Granted. In other forms of media, we did have characters who were just evil just for the sake of being evil. And yeah, that was the whole point because that was the gimmick of those set characters. This yeah. guy, I don't even know what the hell if this was even supposed to be a gimmick or if it was legit. Like, call <laughs> me crazy, but I think they legitimately did not give Mal a motive. <laughs> Maybe they forgot. <laughs> They're just like, oh, I feel like we're forgetting something in this character. Nah, he's good. He looks good. <laughs> yeah. But aside from that, Gwen saves everybody by stopping Zeke, and she wins immunity. Mm -hmm. And then because Cameron literally almost got killed, he was forced to be eliminated. Poor Cameron. And um, to add insult to injury, they put him back in a bubble. It's like a physical representation of undoing character development. Like, Cameron's whole arc in Revenge of the Island was just to prove to everybody that he's not a bubble boy. And then when he won the season, he proved everybody wrong, saying like, hey, I don't need my bubble. I can take care of myself without any injuries. What do they do as soon as he gets physically fractured? Put him back in the fucking bubble. <laughs> but not before Mal being like, Mike is gone. I've been Mal this whole time, and you're gone. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. 
Fuck you. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because, you know, I hate Mal. That's just like a fuck you to the whole season. <laughs> and this, I'm not going to bring it up now. I'm going to wait until uh, the next episode, actually, the Obsta Kill course, to talk about this. But this is the start of some really weird stuff that Mal is doing. And uh, again, I'll talk about it the next episode. I think... No, Scott and Courtney are still together. Yeah, so no, that's really not all that happens. I mean, no, I that's see. it. Just Mal's doing being Mal. Cameron gets eliminated, and everybody else is still just chilling. Let's just move on to the 10th episode. We only have four episodes left. We can do this, Matt. We We're can do this. Time. We're making good time. The obstacle course. Ooh. So the contestants compete through an extreme obstacle course. That's what the Wikipedia article says, an extreme obstacle course, which I'm sorry. Didn't we already do the obstacle course? Wasn't that the whole point of food fright? I guess this one, it's more like endurance than like the old one, which was like, oh, things punch you and you had to like whatever spin you around. This time it's just more like, oh, you got to run and climb. And like, it's more of like a, an endurance run, but like still, I don't know. Another obstacle course is a little weird. The only thing I remember from this episode is that Alejandro knows what Mal's been up to and even has physical evidence, in this case, a DVD, of all the shit he's done in the past episodes. And he's essentially blackmailing Mal. Yeah. But then, Mal being Mal, he acts as Mike and trying to convince everybody to eliminate Alejandro just because. Yeah, just because, like, I guess because he's a threat, question mark. It's like, um, hey, hey guys, remember what Alejandro did to you in season three? Do you want that guy to make it to the finale again? But even <laughs> so, Alejandro didn't do that much this season. If anything, he hasn't done anything other than trick everybody that, hey, my legs have been working this whole time. But even <laughs> that isn't nearly as bad as what he did in season three. Yeah, my dude was precise in season three. At this point, the only elimination he's really caused is Heather. And I don't think anyone really has an issue with that. <laughs> I mean, I would make a joke saying that, oh, Alejandro... Your therapy session starts in the next few minutes, but then again, Alejandro was just being Alejandro this season, so I guess he spared himself from therapy. Yeah, I guess so. Good. Save your money, Alejandro. <laughs> um, and it's <laughs> worth noting that while Mal tries to convince everyone to vote off Alejandro, Alejandro spends the entire episode trying to warn everyone about Mal and getting comedically, comedically in very big air quotes, cut off. Like, Zoe will be like, oh, I don't believe you, and Gwen will be like, yeah, I don't believe you. And then, or like, he'll be about to say something and then there'll be like a pause and he'll get like hit with something like, show, what are you doing? Who wins? Was it Mike or Zoe? Uh, it was Zoe, I believe. Yeah, it was Zoe. Yeah, it was Zoe. I'm reading the page right now. Yeah. So Zoe wins and then big surprise, Alejandro gets eliminated, but not before revealing that he hit the evidence containing mouse sabotage. Yeah. And he says the the truth or the proof is in the art at some, like while he's going down. Um, Such an Alejandro way to end off Alejandro, which, hey, I'm not complaining. I think that's actually the fourth thing I like about this season, is that Alejandro, from what I remember, he's the only spared contestant from the shittiness of the season. Yeah, Alejandro, and I'd probably put, like, maybe Scott. No, but some of the early contestants, like, I don't think Joe and Lightning really get ruined that much. But in terms of who makes it to the end and just gets abused throughout, I think Alejandro and maybe Scott and Cameron are... are mostly unharmed i would say i mean some people are like oh no we like scott better when he's a villain like he was in the other season i don't mind scott here like i kind of like that he's a villain but he's really like totally out of his league when he's with heather and alejandro and all that stuff so he's just like kind of a dope because he always kind of was I, I think he's all right but what i wanted to say here is mal is once again saved due to the other contestants like not stupidity but like circumstances 
can you imagine if in you would have gotta be kidding me, Gwen and Courtney were mature humans and Duncan walked up to them and said, Hey, you know, don't trust Mal. Because what actually happens is Duncan says, Don't trust Mal, and they're like, Oh, Duncan, we hate you. Ha 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 ha. And they just write off and like they don't remember that. And in this episode, Alejandro's like, guys, don't trust Mal. And, they're like, and everyone's just like, ha ha, we don't trust you, Alejandro. Bye. And at no point does he ever say, hey, Mike isn't Mike. He just says, like, the truth is in the art, which is okay as a cryptic hint. But, like, I feel like, I don't know. Alejandro would just be like, yo, F you, Mal. Hey, guys, vote off Mal. Like, this isn't Mike. And I guess you could say maybe he'd trick them be like, yeah, I am. He's nuts. But I don't know. With Duncan, too, I just feel like Mal gets surprisingly lucky like he doesn't have a strategy he doesn't have a plan he doesn't have a motive he just gets lucky because the other contestants are written to be stupid he's um, essentially a floater or yeah he's a floater and other characters don't take the warning seriously because again they're all written to be stupid just so oh tired God. it's so tired <laughs> i just realized which episode's up next ah sunday bloody sunday or as i like to call it sunday shitty sunday this episode is considered by some fans to be the worst episode of the entire series. So but I'm not even going to talk about most of this episode, but <laughs> I do remember what happens. I just refuse to talk about it. I'll do a very bare bones structuring. Chris wants an ice cream sundae and the contestants have to go to different parts of the island to get an ingredient. And then they have to, at the end, eat their own sundae, which actually is a plot twist because he says, oh, we want to feed our interns. And then when they all get to the end, they're like, you know what? Why don't you guys just eat it? And whoever does it first gets immunity. Which, you know, it's actually a kind of creative challenge concept. Like, I kind of like it. But obviously, that's not the problem most people have with this episode. It is the character writing. I know I'm contradicting myself, but we've already established that Courtney and Gwen are now friends. What the fuck does Courtney do? She has a list about which contestants she plans to eliminate next. Revealing that, oh, she was never really Gwen's friend or some shit like that. Or, yeah. But, go figure, Mal exposes her plans to everybody. And now, literally... The whole entire episode was everybody trying to win the challenge so they can eliminate Courtney. Yeah, and it just nonchalantly happens, too. Like, I don't even think we have to say, oh, spoiler, here's the ending. Like, it's everyone's goal the whole episode is to eliminate Courtney. I know, I hate Courtney, so I should be happy about this. But this was too much. Like, they made it way too obvious that Courtney was going to get eliminated. All and right. they ruined everything that they established with this character. Yeah, like, you'd think if she was plotting against Gwen and Scott and everyone like that, like she admitted in this episode, she might have gone into a confessional at some point in an earlier episode. Maybe after doing, like, vomit-inducing, like, no, you hang up first, you hang up first with Gwen, she'd, like, go into the confessional and be like, ugh, this is so gross. Like, I'm just using her to get further. Like, whatever. Then at least we'd have some setup. We don't have that. We have one confessional where she's just like, yeah, lol, I'm just betraying everyone. Haha, I didn't mean anything. It's like, so first of all, that is asinine that they just do that randomly. Again, no setup, no nothing, no references to in the past where she's just kind of like, oh, I hate having to be so girly, girly, whatever. But second of all, how on earth would Courtney, the strategist, the boss, the leader, the smarty girl, the CIT, how would she ever let that list out of her sight? You're really telling me it just teleported into Mike's hands? Because in one scene she has it, and in the next scene Mike has it. We don't have any idea how. It just is like, oh, hey, look what I found. Like, you're really telling me that the master strategist CIT boss lady lost the incriminating piece of evidence? I, I don't even know what to say. It would have been really bad if 
she left it in the confessional and we see Mal go and like, oh, what's this? But we don't even get that. It's worse than that. It just is just like we assume Mal just has it. Like it just is in his grasp. I don't understand how he gets that. <laughs> All right. And to sum it up, Zoe wins the challenge. Courtney gets eliminated. Fuck this episode. I'm done talking about it. Yeah, Let's that's about on. as much time as this episode deserves to have spent on it. Yeah. And spoilers, the next few episodes don't get any better. The no. Bold and the Bootyful. Yeah. Um. So Bold and the Bootyful, the final four, which are now Gwen, Zoe, Mike, and Scott. Interesting sounding final four, I guess. They have to each find a treasure somewhere on Wawanaqua. You know, do different daring stunts and missions and hunting. It reminds me of the uh, the pirate challenge from the first season, which I think it's supposed to be based off of that, where the contestants had to find keys for their chests. In this case, they each have to find some booty. And the last contestant to make it back will be eliminated. They try to squeeze in an alliance between Scott and Mal, but it goes as well as you expected. And mm-hmm. then go figure. Zoe wins again, securing her spot in the final two. Spoilers, I guess. Yeah, Zoe's been on a roll. Like, it's just like Zoe wins, Zoe wins, Zoe wins. Because here's the thing. Other seasons would have characters win a ton, like Lashana and Heather in season one, or Alejandro in season three, or Courtney in season two. But usually when that would happen, there'd be a reason. It would be skill. You know, Heather played the game really well. Alejandro played the game really well. Lashana was very skilled. She had a lot of friends. She had a lot of intelligence. Zoe, it's established in the season. We're supposed to believe, I think, or if we're not, then the writers did a horrible job. But Zoe's not even that smart because Zoe's getting fooled by an obvious fraud. So, you know, we have this idea that, oh, Zoe's an idiot. And yet she wins immunity like four challenges in a row. Like, I, I don't get it. Again, just probably really poor writing. I don't think the writers wanted to establish Zoe as being unintelligent. But it just comes off that way because they just constantly have her be like, oh, what's up with Mike? Why is he acting so weird? Like, give me a break. As for Gwen... Well, because Mal sabotaged her artwork, she has to fix the painting that she found, but she doesn't have the right color to repaint Chris's hair. So what does she do? She uses bare shit to color the hair. (laughs) It's like a really weird reference to that old restoration of a painting of Jesus. There was like this big news story from like 2013 or something, which obviously is when around this time this came out, where somebody like, oh, we painted it and we messed it up. So fun fact for you, no one gets that reference now, you know, eight years later. But even then, yeah, it's just like Gwen gets disqualified. Like she was such a big character this season. Like the whole drama mostly revolved around her and Courtney. And now it's just, oh, Gwen painted with bear poop. She's out. Bye. Like, whoa. Oh, okay. Bye. Like, I don't think anyone was expecting her to make the finale because she already did. And no one's ever made the finale twice. Still really weird way to get her out. I don't know. You could have eliminated her along with Courtney. Then we would have a traditional final three. Yeah. But no. I guess they didn't want to hold had to have the final three be just revenge characters, but like, I don't know. And because Zoe won the challenge, she gets to choose who to take with her to the finale. Big surprise, she chooses Mike. So Scott is eliminated. And this is perhaps the funniest moment in the entire show, if you really think about it. Because Zoe knows at the point she's making the choice that Mike is Mal. All she had to do was just say, I'm picking Scott. And Mal's entire season-long plan is ruined. Just like that. The snap of a finger. Oh, um, no. That guy is taking control of my boyfriend. I want to take care of him personally. Bitch, please. Like, I get that it's a cartoon. Like, I get it. Whatever. We're, we're, we're all having fun here. But literally, 
if this was realistic, it would just be, okay, I'm picking Scott to go to the finale with me. Mal, you're out because I don't want you anywhere near that final prize. And then we'll get you some therapy after the show. Like, but again, <laughs> whatever. It's not realistic. Zoe wants to be like, let's finish this. Man, man, man. Like, whatever. So Scott, much like Gwen, gets a very nonchalant elimination where it's just like, oh, I guess you're gone. Bye. Um, which whatever. The final Bye. episode. Hmm. <laughs> the final wreck inning. Yeah, well, I mean, this show was a wreck, so I mean it's definitely fitting. Yeah, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. This finale sucks. Yeah, so I guess we'll walk through it a little bit at a time. Um, it's revealed to be that the final challenge is you climb o- up this big, almost wedding cake-shaped mountain where each layer is a different obstacle. So I think it's lava, wa- swamp water with like alligators and stuff inside, and nuclear waste. And if you clear all three, you have to pry a sword from the stone, like King Arthur style, while Chef shoots at you with a with a meatball launcher. You're not alone in this. You get to shoot down helpers from balloons blown up by none other than Owen. Honestly, it is nice to see Owen, but that only made me wish he was in the season more because even so, like, for as shitty as the season was, Owen would still be Owen. Yeah, it's hard to screw up Owen, although I don't want the writers to take that as a dare. (laughs) Yeah, so Zoe picks Gwen and Cameron while Mal chooses Heather and Alejandro. Although we should say, too, um, they don't know who's in the balloons. The balloons aren't see-through. So they just shoot random balloons, and they're like, oh, I guess we have these guys. Weird how it works out. And then and the rest of the contestants float off into the sun and die. Or so they thought. Because I think in the next scene, Chris was like, yeah, I'm not held responsible for them or something like that. <laughs> Good news, they're alive, but I'm not going to find a search party or something. <laughs> so canonically, they're still alive. But we don't know where they ended up. Yeah, they're they're MIA. This whole episode, like, I don't know, like, for as exciting as the season finale would be, there really isn't that much. It's just Mal and Zoe butting heads, like, trying to one-up each other. Gwen and Cameron, they're just kind of there. Alejandro and Heather, they become a lovey-dovey couple. What? (laughs) The most badass rivalry in the entire series has now been reduced to a lovey-dovey crap? I don't even know what to say about this, Matt. Do you have anything to say about this? No, I mean, whatever. Like, I don't... I was so confused when it first started. Because my mind went to, oh, it's like when Heather became good during the blue moon. They're, like, planning something. Like, it's it's some scheme. But we have no evidence that it's a scheme. Like, they're being genuine up until the point where Chris is like, yo, it's a free-for-all. Then they turn against each other. But assuming Chris never said that, they would have just stayed like this. Like, I'm... It's confusing. I'm almost taking back what I said about how Alejandro was spared this season. (laughs) Almost. In other news, Mal gets defeated because Mike and his other personalities managed to go inside Mike's brain and hit a reset button, thus (laughs) thus getting rid of all of his personalities, including Mal, and now Mike's in total control. Are you fucking kidding me? That is how you get rid of Mal? So... On its face, I've heard a lot of people say this is offensive. It's like, oh, it's like you're curing a mental illness with a button. Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's offensive to people who have mental illnesses. I get that. I also kind of see the argument that, hey, it's a cartoon, like, whatever. I see both of those arguments. For me, they're irrelevant. The whole thing is the storytelling. How is the storytelling impacted? And guess what? Horribly. Like you said, Eric, you defeat a season-long antagonist by pushing a fake button. 
unless we're supposed to assume that all that stuff really exists, like, in his head. I am so bewildered. And you know what? Mal could have been a good villain this season if they knew what they wanted to do with him. But no, he was nothing but a waste of our time. Yeah, that's it. It's just, oh no, you pushed the button. I didn't even feel satisfied when he was defeated because, A, he had no motive. And B, the way he went out just seemed very, very lazy and cut and paste. Not to mention that this also completely defeats the purpose of Mike's plot in Revenge of the Island, which is to realize that it's okay that he has all these personalities, but that he has to be in control of them. Now it's just, hey, look, I don't have them at all. Yay! That was the whole point of Revenge of the Island, is is coming to grips with multiple personality disorder and learning that it's okay and, like, hey, you can be honest about it. Now it's just, hey, I'm cured of it. It's over. I don't know. Let's just talk about who wins because it really doesn't matter because both endings are the same except either Mike grabs the sword before Zoe or Zoe grabs the sword before him. Literally, that's it. Yeah, the last five minutes of this episode are pathetic because now that Mal's been defeated, it's literally just Mike and Zoe like, hey, I'll race you to the top. It's like, what's the point? There's no drama anymore. We've had finales too where there was no drama like Owen and Gwen, Duncan and Beth. They didn't hate each other. But you can still do like a friendly little rivalry thing going on. Here, these two are dating. There is no difference at all who wins. It's it's pathetic. And that's why I think there's like this weird stipulation in the middle where Chris is like, oh, this is so boring. I don't care. Anyone will win. And so Heather and Alejandro are like, oh, crap. Like, that means we can win too. That goes nowhere. Like, obviously, we know it's not going to just randomly be Heather or Alejandro get the sword. So, Yeah. Depending on your country, it's either Mike or Zoe who makes it to the sword first while the other distracts Chef. And again, it really is completely interchangeable. I don't think there's many finales that I care less about than this one. Who wins? And of course, like the previous seasons, it has to go out with a bang. And in this case, apparently the drill that Chef used to build the moat was hazardous to the island structure, which means the whole island was falling apart. Yes, Camp Wawanakwa the birthplace of this freaking series is now flushed away, plummeting to the bottom of the ocean, never to see the light of day again. Yeah, and we have like some emotional opera. I, I did crack a smile when the butler and the mansion plays the violin and goes down with the ship. But other than that, it's like, yeah, that's it. That's the end of Wawanakwa. Wow. I have no more words. Like, that just goes to show how much they respect the source material. That they were willing to destroy what made the first few seasons, well, sorry, what made the series so special to begin with. That place alone started many childhoods, and now it's gone. Yeah. And I'm not saying you couldn't have destroyed it right. Obviously, it sucks that they just did it out of nowhere. If there was a whole plot about, like, oh, what's wrong with the island, whatever, there's, like, some creepy, or, like, there's some messy stuff going on. Maybe it's the consequences of how Chris and Chef have been abusing the island over the years. Maybe Mal feeds into that or something. I don't know. I don't think, personally, that you couldn't have done something like this. But the fact that it's just like, oh, hey, the classic island that everyone loves is just gone. Oh, lol. It's gone in the last two minutes. Like, what? Like, I think people were probably shell-shocked. Like, what? What are you tell? What are you talking about? What happened? Bottom line is, this season finale sucked, and this whole season sucked. Like, yeah. we've been talking about this since day one, how much we despise this season. And like I said, I've only seen each episode once, maybe twice, just to get, you know, a reviewer's point of view. Mm-hmm. But I can't. Like, I literally can't sit down and watch 13 episodes of this atrocity. It is so mind-blowing to see how low the franchise has gotten with this season alone. 
Yeah, I personally don't like Total Drama Pocket 2 Island either, which is will be our next episode talking about that. Technically, they're both part of the same season, which that's a whole can of worms, because then if it's one whole season, why didn't you just do one season with 26 episodes? But whatever, I digress, I digress. I'm not a big fan of Total Drama Pocket 2 Island, but at the very least, it had the decency to introduce new characters I didn't like. All-Stars took pre-existing characters and ruined almost every single one of them in some way. That takes talent. That takes profound talent or maybe lack of talent completely to take all these characters all these themes all these plot lines and literally drive them into the ground i would almost say it's a masterpiece like of just how horrible it is it's like a work of art you said it best overall if you're planning to rewatch the entire series do yourselves a favor and skip all stars <laughs> anyway what do you guys think of total drama all stars do you hate it or do you absolutely hate it <laughs> Let us know in our Discord server and follow us on Instagram at Geeks Crossing. Continue to support us on all major platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, or whatever platform you're using right now. Yes, and be sure to tell your friends and family about us, especially the total drama fans in your life, and hopefully they agree. <laughs> and if you want to check out good quality gameplay that is a million times better than what All Stars was hoped to be, head over <laughs> to Twitch and check out Nuclear Bacons, Cryptoot Games and Carabyte, as well as E-Man the Legendary, starring yours truly, a new contender. Yes, your boy Eric has finally joined the Twitch streaming, so wish me luck, you guys. And I'm also starting a YouTube channel soon, so be on the lookout for that as well. I will wait patiently. But more importantly, stay true to your geek selves. Bye-bye.